Welcome to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Griego-Kyle of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. In this podcast, we discuss sustainable impact investing, creating portfolios that match your values, and a variety of other topics such as financial education, social justice, and sustainable food systems. Do you want to know if your investments seek the kind of accountability from corporations that you demand? Listen in as we explore the burning question, are you investing like you give a damn? Hello and welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Grego kyle from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. Kim, how are you? I'm good. It's fall. It is We've fall. I love it. your shirt. Oh, I know I'm wearing um, sunflowers, so it's kind of the season for that. Yeah. So for, for those that are just <laughs> hearing the audio podcast, I can see Kim. She looks fantastic. So uh, and, and you know who else looks fantastic? Your guest. You have Elizabeth Alfano. I'm so excited. I don't even know what you guys are talking about today. I'm, I'm here, just like the audience is, learning for the very first time. Why Excellent. did you bring Elizabeth on? Well, Elizabeth and I met virtually uh, a few weeks back. Um, we were introduced by a, a mutual colleague. And we really hit it off on our conversation that we had. So I said, you have to be on my podcast. She has an amazing background. Um, her current career path is with VegTech Invest. Mm. And it's an ETF. And so she started this last year. Lucky her. We're going to talk about that <laughs> in the markets, right? Um, but really, it's about... Um, the power of plant-based foods and where we're going with that. She has a long history of working in uh, vegan industries. Uh, she she has a, um, a plant-based business hour. Mm. And I, I actually am going to have to take advantage of listening to that. So I'm looking forward to it. So, so many things in her background. She had a magazine or she still does, I think, um, the vegan business magazine. So it's, I, I just can't wait to talk to her and um, chit chat about things that are related to both of us. And yeah. So Elizabeth, welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to dive into it. So much to talk about today. I know. And I just love your energy. So it's, it's, it's going to be great conversation. And I, I was thinking about this and, and trying to take some notes and things, questions I wanted to ask you. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm just going to have to kind of let this flow and see where we go with the conversation. But I am so excited to talk to you. Awesome. Yeah. Maybe we should really start with your current project. Yes. Uh, yeah. So yes, my tell word. Me, yeah. Tell me why you started it first. Let's start. Okay. Here. So as CEO of VegTech Invest, and VegTech Invest is the advisor to the world's only plant-based innovation ETF, not ETF is EAT-V. So really we started VegTech Invest because our, our whole purpose was to create EAT-V. So why the heck did we create EAT-V? Well, first let me maybe tell you what EAT-V is. So it's the world's first only plant-based innovation ETF, which means up and down the supply chain, anywhere in the supply chain. If companies are working to innovate with plants, to replace animal products 
for sustainable consumption. We'll talk about what that means. Yeah. Uh, then they are in our fund. So we have 41 companies from around the globe. So why do we even care about that? Why would we want to create that? Well, first of all, you know, I, as you were saying, I've been in the plant-based business space for a very long time. I have the Plant-Based Business Hour podcast. I'm a plant-based business expert, do an enormous amount of speaking, recently speaking at the UN Global Leaders Summit. Um, yeah, it was really, really <laughs> fun, the Compact Global Leaders Summit. And um, I also have a consulting business. I help large oh my multinationals. Gosh, when do I mean, you just, sleep? When do I you don't sleep? really sleep? I don't really. It's my <laughs> gosh, I really and somewhere in there I jog. I mean, I I don't really sleep. Nice. But you know, as as an investor, sure, there's venture opportunities, and what I mean by that is, you know, companies that aren't on the public markets, but so risky. You know, venture right. investing so risky, and you know, you can't get in with your one thousand. Robinhood shares or whatever. You can't hop on Robinhood right. and do that. It's, you know, you got to dive in deep. It's very expensive for to get any diversification. It is. And it. that was actually a question I was going to bring up. I don't mean to interrupt please, you here, no, but please. I, you know, Go for it. your ETF is focused on, on, on the markets, on the public markets. Correct. Versus private equity in venture capital, which as you just said, is so difficult for the average investor to get into. But with your ETF, anyone can participate in yeah. in the plant-based marketplace. Yeah. So yes. This was really meaningful to us because when we look at who's growing the plant-based sector, it's millennials and Gen Z, and they can't afford venture investing. No. So it was like a disconnect for us that the people actually growing the sector aren't participating in that growth, financially mm -hmm. participating in that growth. So um, we, we really wanted to come up with an ETF so that those folks could participate. And then also, you know, it's really a de-risking mechanism, right? So you've right. got 41 companies, so you're diversified, it's liquid, you can get in, you can get out, you know, with venture investing, you might put your money in if you ever see it again. And most likely right. you will never see it again. Right. If you were to see it again, it would be in like eight years. So um, we, we really wanted to do that, but mostly we wanted to tap into this mega trend. And I think if you're, it is a mega trend. That's the really interesting discussion is right. why is this a mega trend? Yeah. Well, I've had a number of conversations um, with other folks on the podcast and I talk a lot about food systems, which is yes. very important to me. And I, I'm so passionate about it. I, you know, even Eric, I've talked with him about it too. And I, I do like to eat vegan. I'm not a hundred percent vegan, but I, I suspect that after we have this conversation, I may be moving more in that direction, <laughs> right? It's, well, it's just so important to me to share this information with listeners and with other folks, you know, uh, just in the public, what we can do to reduce mm. carbon and, and, and deal with climate change. And that is a lot of what happens with these companies. Yes. So tell so me much tell more about that. So much to discuss here. First of all, I will, I will say you are not alone. The real <laughs> growth is happening with what we call flexitarians, people oh. who are having plant-based options, but not all the time. And I, I mean, like it. Yeah. Flexitarian. No, you're, you're the market. You're, you're <laughs> the big growth. I mean, I love vegans. They're wonderful people. I happen to be one of them, but they are a, an insignificant 
portion of the market and they have no political control. They have no lobby. They have, you know, it's not like the beef industry that has this huge lobby. We can talk about that too, but you know, so I love vegans, but we're not talking about them. They are a small insignificant part of the market. We're talking about flexitarians. So basically the meat eater who's like, wait a minute, my doctor's been telling me cut out the red meat. Here's an option for me to one, two, three times a week, just trade out for some plant-based options. That might be a burger. That might be, I make my own bowl at home with the leftovers that I have in the fridge naturally, like chickpeas and rice and avocados. And I just put it together and I make a big hefty bowl. Or if that's way too much work, go out and get yourself, you know, beyond and other products. We can talk about those too. So um, the flexitarian is where it's all at. And um, so no pressure or no one even thinks that the world's going vegan. It's, it's right. not, but it is shifting. And, and so you talked about, well, it's important to you to eat this way, you know, as much as you can, because you want a better planet. So if it's okay, I'd love to dive into that connection and how yes. can changing what you eat have an impact on the planet. Oh, please do. Let's let's go in that direction and and just talk about this on the level of investing and and where that where the importance, you know, crosses there. I just want to mention for the um for the listener and for compliance that any company we might discuss is not a recommendation to invest please talk to your investment advisor and see if it's an appropriate investment for you. So uh, for compliance purposes, we've got that taken care of. Tell me, (laughs) check that box. Tell me, um, Tell me about this. Tell me, tell me what you think here. Okay. So first I'm going to take a step back and kind of help people understand all the levers that you push when you invest in plant-based innovation. And then I'll go granular and talk about some of the companies and, and how this, how the fund works. But first of all, the, our current food supply system, which is animal based produces 14 and a half percent of the world's greenhouse gases produces animal agriculture produces a whopping 37% of methane. We all probably know at this point that methane is the most nefarious of the gases. It has a shorter shelf life, but it's really potent while it's around in the atmosphere. If you do not address our current food supply system, basically animal-based protein, you will not sufficiently impact climate change. Of course, you're still doing electric vehicles, alternative energy, building materials. But if you do not include shifting away from animal products in that conversation, you will not sufficiently impact climate change. I, so there's I that. just want to say, I just want to add to that because it climate change um, mitigation needs to happen with all of these components. And 100%. Yes. And, you know, industrial agriculture is a problem, um, which... I hope you'll address as well because we're talking plant-based, right? Um, but anyway, go ahead. Tell me, tell me more. Tell me the big picture here. Yes. So the next big lever, and it's even bigger than climate change in my perspective, it's how we use the world's resources to feed the world. Ultimately, we are tasked with producing more food, more nutritiously, using fewer resources in a shorter amount of time, creating less damage. It's a very big task ahead of us. So let's just look at the scale of our current food supply system. So there are about 8 billion people on the planet. There are 80 billion animals in factories. Oh my gosh. I did not know that number. Yes. 10 times more 
factory churned animals than people on earth. Put another way, 90% of the planet is in a factory. We can talk about pandemics and why this is a pandemic risk in a minute, but you just imagine 90% of the planet is living butt to snout in their own feces. It's going to be hard to outrun a pandemic. We'll talk about human health implications in a minute, but let's just stay with resources. So how do you feed this 90% of the planet? You have to cut down trees. Now, wait a minute. Trees Mm. pull carbon from the air. When you cut them down, they release carbon. So it's a double climate negative whammy when you deforest which we have to do because we have 80 billion animals to feed. So we deforest and we grow crops, crops that have protein and have fiber. Are we giving that food to people? No, No, we're giving it to animals. 80 billion of them, mind you, it's a scale issue, 80 billion of them. And then of course they need land. They need water. We're coming back to our precious resource of water. They need land. They need water. They need time. Oh my gosh. They need more food, better cut down more trees, grow more crops, still not feeding those crops with protein and fiber to people. You're still feeding them to animals. In, In essence, we are using the most precious resources on earth, land, water, trees, time to feed animals. We're not even feeding people. Right. If we shift how we use our resources, we can recoup that water, water becoming a pressing issue. We can mitigate climate change and we can feed, you know, we're going from 8 billion people to 10 billion people by 2050, according to the United Nations. We have the resources on earth to feed people. We're just misusing how we use those resources. Let me... Let me ask you a question, Elizabeth. Uh, when we talk about this 80 billion, yeah. um, you know, n- this number is just ridiculously huge. Uh, yeah. You know, animals who are basically in factory farms in yes. horrible conditions. Yes. If we reduce that number, which means we probably have to eat them, <laughs> right? Uh, mm-hmm. But we, we do have to reduce that number. So we're stopping production of so much of the, the plant-based food that we're feeding them, or we're shifting that to human food. Yes. Yes. Here's where it gets tricky. So stay with us, everybody. Um, (laughs) Why do we have to make so much food for those animals? Well, first of all, because there's so many of them, but second of all, they're awful calorie converters. According to the world resources, Institute, it takes seven to nine calories of the crops to get one calorie of chicken. It takes 25 to 35 calories of the crops to get one calorie of beef. And then of course you've got all the submissions output. And so you, you see how this is very tricky, but we could curtail monocropping. So industrial agriculture, which you've now mentioned a couple of times mm-hmm. by not having to crop so much for animals and just use those original crops and much less of them because they're much fewer people right? to feed people. Now you might say, ah, but not everybody wants to eat soy and corn and alfalfa, which is usually what's used for um, animal feed. That's where novel plant-based proteins come into play. So by reshifting how we feed people, so basically not feeding animals to feed people, but just feeding people the crops, we can switch up the kind of crops that we use and we can grow less of them. So we keep more trees and we keep more water and more land. So um, 
it's very inspirational, if you will. Yeah, it is inspirational because what we'll be able to do is plant more trees, reduce carbon in the atmosphere. It's it's a domino effect of, of a process that gets us to a healthier environment. And healthier humans. So you think, right, I don't know if people know this. I didn't know it. Meat has no fiber. And I remember when I learned that, I was like, but wait a minute, it looks fibrous. I mean, it is fibrous. It is. How how can it have no fiber? But it has no fiber, which is why meat sits in your system and is a source for a lot of lifestyle diseases, heart disease, colorectal cancer, diabetes. These are, are linked to really high saturated fat foods that, you know, don't have any fiber. So you think if you shift people over to plants and that might be a plant-based burger that comes in a box with a barcode. So yes, is it a carrot? No, but is it healthier? <laughs> yes. It, it's not going to have cholesterol. It's not going to have trimethylene anoxide, not going to have right. animal heme, not going to have antibiotics, not going to have hormones, going to have some fiber. So, you know, you can do that or you can start to cook a little bit more. I don't want to ask too much of the single mother of three. So let's be, right. you know, Consider it that, you know, not everyone can cook at home, but at least these are options to get healthier and work in that fiber in your diet. It's true. And, you know, when we are really pressed for time and and we're like, oh, what should we order out? Should we, what do we do? We, we do keep some great vegan patties, burger patties in the freezer that we can just toss in the oven for 20 minutes. Yeah. And so easy. It is. And, you know, we usually put a sauce on it or something, but it's, you know, there's so many options for that and it's quick and easy. So. Yes. And if if I can, because I think this is super exciting, then I will get, I keep forgetting, like you have a fund, Elizabeth, you must talk about it. Yes. Okay. Yes. We're going to get to that. Yeah. I, I will talk about the fund, but um, <laughs> something else that's really fun is to talk about all of the items that are coming down the pipeline that maybe people don't know about because they're not in the industry. So yes, everyone's got the memo. There are these burgers, plant-based burgers, Beyond right. Meat and other but you have plant-based steak coming down the pipeline. Lots of what? plant-based. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It's And, and it's going to be plant-based steak. That's but... for you. <laughs> oh, Eric, are you a steak eater? I he love in... it. I love oh, it. I... I'm in Omaha. <laughs> okay. Oh, Omaha's yeah. going to get the memo. It's coming. Yeah. Your plant-based yeah, steak no, is I, coming. Well, I mean, come on. It's 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 land of corn. I just went and picked sweet corn, which is just mm-hmm. fun to do. You know, I did it this weekend, yes. picked a bunch and eaten mm-hmm. a lot of that. But at the same time, I also bought a, a quarter of a cow about a month ago. Yep. I hear guilty. this a lot. Now, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, so here's this health spectrum. You've got factory farms and we know what that is. You're getting antibiotics and hormones, you know, all that fear of the animals as well as like the, the not um, getting fiber, et cetera. Then you move to grass fed. Now just reality check here, everybody, because everybody thinks that they've got a grass fed cow. And yet 99% of all the meat ever sold is factory meat because of the scale and numbers that we just discussed. So there's a little bit of a marketing Mm. cognitive dissonance. It's not everyone can have a grass fed cow, obviously, no matter what the label says, Mm. we can get into mislabeling later. But um, so, but if, if you actually live with a cow in your backyard and you decided to kill it, we could have that conversation uh, about um, what it would take to really do that. But okay, let's say you decided to do that to the cow in your backyard. That would be better than the factory cow. And then you'd move to plant-based burgers as the next 
step on the health spectrum. Then you'd move to cooking at home, which is the next health on, you know, on the health spectrum. And then you'd be like raw vegan. Good luck. No one's doing that. So, you know, you gotta, (laughs) right. You gotta pick your, where you are. And some days you have grass fed meat, but maybe some days you cook at home and maybe some days you have plant-based burgers, plant-based sausage, plant-based chicken, plant-based steak, plant-based deli meats, uh, plant-based yogurt, plant-based cheese, plant-based milk, anything that you want, it's going to be available plant-based. And the coolness of cool, I think that's so cool. Not only are you going to see plant-based options, but you're going to start to see really novel technologies come into play with your food. Now, sometimes we're talking about tech, high tech, really tech, high tech, hundred percent. Now, sometimes people are saying like, but I don't want tech in my food. I'm sorry to say that that ship has already sailed. The reason we are able to grow as many crops as we grow is because they've all been genetically modified in some way. Yes. They've been technically worked on so that they can produce as much as they produce, but GMOs don't have to be nefarious. They can be, they can be used for the wrong thing, but they can also be used for good things like insect repellent. So you don't have to spray all the crops. They just naturally aren't attracted to them because they've been bred and not through some like maniacal scientists, but they've just been bred, you know, the combined like humans breed, you know, they've just, they've come, to, they brought them together to make a, a different offspring. Right. Um, and, and that's not necessarily awful. So, okay. Anyways, that's what, that's my little GMO segment, but we can talk about um, what this technology is going to be. So you are going to see, it's called precision fermentation. So you can go to a lab. You don't even have to go to the animal. You go to a lab and you get the gene from an animal. This gene is responsible for making the animal protein casein or whey. You take that gene and for lack of a better expression, you map it onto a microbe. This microbe, which is neither plant nor animal, it's its own kingdom. It's a microbe. Uh, The microbe says, I know what's going on here. You've given me the cliff notes for me to make animal protein. Okay. If you feed me sugar water and amino acids, which is why it's in our fund because it's a plant-based derivative, you know, it, it, it only survives because you've given it cane sugar. You, if you give me, if you feed me, if you feed the microbe, I'll do what you tell me. I'll make that animal protein. Well, then the microbe makes it and you have a lot of it and you take that animal protein of casein and you add fat and you add sugar, you have ice cream. Now you start to have ice cream, milk, cheese, completely an animal product made with animal proteins, no animals, no slaughterhouses, no deforestation, no water use. You circumvented the entire mass agricultural system. Oh my gosh, Elizabeth, this is so amazing. You are so knowledgeable on this. And I am a little bit blown away by some of the things that you're saying, but it's important information to get out there. Um, well, and that's in the near future. That's like three yeah. to five years out. I can't you know, wait for the cheese. Let me tell you, because the current vegan cheese is yeah, not, not happen. very good. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you there. I, I'm yeah. really with you. And I, and I think you're going to start to see that kind of animal cheese without the animal in about two years. Okay. Because you may be another year or so before it's really good. I don't know. <laughs> and maybe, maybe, I don't know, you know, right now on the market, you can go to the grocery store and buy an ice cream called Brave Robot. It's available in like nine different flavors. It's, you know, when I'm in Chicago, it's available at Jewel. When I'm in LA, it's available at Whole Foods. I mean, you can go. And that is made without animals due to precision fermentation, taking the jeep in a lab, 
having the microbe produce the casein, adding fat and sugar. It is animal ice cream without the animal. I am going to look for this so I can please, please. And then let me know what you think. I, I, I I have to say, I was almost weepy when I ate this because I was holding the end of animal slaughter in my hands. You would never waste the resources, waste the time, water. You would never bother the pollution. You know, think where 80 billion animals go to the bathroom, right? Your water supply. Yeah. You know, that's not like they have indoor plumbing. So, right. you know, I no one talk about water and I want to um, do a little deeper dive on, on the fund, but yeah. we're running out of time. Oh no. So, I know, but, but I want you to do a second podcast with me. Would you do that? So I can hundred percent. Okay. hundred percent. But I have to talk about, um, they call it lab grown meat, but that's not the industry refers to it as cultivated meat. I have to get that one out. Should I do it this time or the yes. next one? No, tell me, tell me right, tell right now. now. Okay. Yeah. So this is what you're going to see three to five years out, like really mass produced everywhere in cheese and milk and, and more ice creams, but meat for Eric actual chunk of steak, like the whole thing that's coming in about six to eight years. What they do there is they don't take a gene, they take a cell. So the complete whole cell and they grow that into a piece of meat. Again, you have the animal steak, but you don't have the slaughterhouse, the trees, the deforestation, the water, et cetera. Now think about this from a food justice standpoint right now, who can afford filet mignon? that little piece of the thousand pound cow, very few people. But when you have factory, you know, lab meat, cultivated meat, it's filet mignon for everybody. So there's a food justice element here too. You know, right now only the wealthy nations have this kind of access to protein. We got to fix that. So when we take animals who are so inefficient that they're really expensive for us from a planetary and human health perspective, when you take them out, you start seeing a much more just food supply system. And that is an entire another topic we can discuss. <laughs> and <laughs> going to be just, here for days. <laughs> I know we're never going to be done. Well, let's wrap this up. And, and on our second podcast, we'll, we'll dive in a, a little more to the, to the fund. I have some questions about um, I'm curious about some of the, the stocks in there. So we have a lot to look forward to. And I want to talk more about, food justice if you if you think that's appropriate but sure anyway thing. thanks so much and and let's uh let's do the second one soon okay see you on the flip side yeah oh Eric, man this oh this is going to be exciting is your I, mind blown my mind well, here's the thing blown. is that i'm just going to say this out loud elizabeth i i now feel like i have a connection to the future and oh. uh, I, I would love you when it's available i would like to be the first to order a cheese tree and a steak tree so i can just plant them in my yard <laughs> grow them there. I don't know, you know what that's going to look like in the future, but if I could have a cheese tree and a steak tree, good gravy, that would be, uh, Oh my gosh. Yeah. A cheese tree would be amazing. Right? I, I know <laughs> that I knew that I was with you on that, Kim, when you said cheese, I, that is my passion. I love all kinds of cheeses. So if we can do it to where, you know, animals are not being harmed and we can actually, that last piece was super exciting. Get anybody to be able to have these types of foods in a healthy way, a yes. sustainable way. That would be amazing. So Elizabeth, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm looking forward to the next episode. Of course, Kim, thank you so much for facilitating this and bringing on amazing guests. And our last thank you, of course, is for you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Grego Kyle. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Kim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. 
And we humbly ask you to share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review, as this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Deep Impact Investing, the sustainable, responsible impact investing podcast that shows you how to invest like you give a damn. If you have questions about this podcast or topics you'd like to hear addressed on an upcoming podcast, email us at kim at horizonssfs.com. Join the conversation on Twitter at horizonssustfin or give us a call at 505-982-9661. Don't forget to click the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes become available. The companies we may speak about during our podcast are not recommendations for investment. Only you and your financial advisor can determine what the right investments are for you. Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, Inc. and its financial professionals do not render tax or legal advice. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and or guest and does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. None of this content may be used or duplicated without the express written agreement of the podcast host.